off on another epic episode of the Hyper Anomalous Esoteric Research Organization podcast, Hero Paranormal. Broadcasting just south of the Utah UFO Ranch, my name is Ryan, the paranormal pontificator of the airwaves, bringing you an epic episode today. Today we have a real treat with Master Hypnotist, Paranormal Investigator, Vincent Lords. He has entertained and mystified audiences for over 25 years as a subconscious conjurer and host of Paranosis, the paranormal phenomenon. The depth of his knowledge of the mind and human intrigue allows him to approach hypnosis and harness it with power as a tool within the confines of traditional paranormal research with a unique approach bringing about a new breed of modern mysticism, Mr. Lords is harnessing the subconscious mind of volunteers, allowing them to examine their five senses and perhaps the sixth. In addition to being a guest on seven episodes of Ghost Adventures with the Travel Channel, Vincent Lords has also lent his expertise to the most popular, highly rated locations in Utah for Ghost Adventures as a location. He is a location scout for Ghost Adventures. Paranosis Paranormal is also owned and produced by Vincent Lords. Get ready to close your eyes and open your mind using the power of suggestion. Vincent goes to all the hottest spots in Utah and, well, sees what is available to be seen and delves into the unseen mysteries of Utah. We had the pleasure of having Vincent and his team of expert researchers out to our base camp, Space Wolf Research. Space Wolf Research is located just south of the very famous now Utah UFO Ranch, and it has been a very interesting area to investigate. Indeed, it's been kind of a science project of mine for quite some time and having Vincent and his expert team out proved to be very eventful. We are going to go into that and go into what it is that Vincent does. Also, be sure and check out Paranosis. It is on all social media platforms and I can't wait to get into the events that led Vincent down this mysterious path and the research that he has incorporated using his many talents. I would like to also thank my Patreon supporters. Hero Paranormal is available on Patreon, and there are many episodes which are patron-only. Please support the podcast by going to Patreon and supporting Hero Paranormal. You can also support Hero Paranormal on Podbean using the Podbean app on your phone. There's a ton of content out there that is not available to the general public. 
But luckily, this is something I have to share with everyone. I hope you enjoy this amazing conversation with Vincent Lords of Paranosis. Vincent Lords, welcome to the Hero Paranormal Podcast. How are you? I am doing great, man, and I'm so glad that you came on the podcast with me today. I've been wanting to talk to you for some time just about, you know, everything you do. You're involved with so much. You're involved with uh, ghost adventures. You're a hypnotist. You've uh, you've done more ghost hunts than anybody I know. Uh, <laughs> Matt, you know, it, it's, it's pretty amazing and, uh, yeah, it's so cool. Um, I, I'm really glad to have you on. I wanted to ask you how you got into all of this and, 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 uh, before we go into some deeper, darker details of what we're chatting about, well, what keeps you, uh, what keeps you going? Well, first of all, let me say, I really appreciate the opportunity, um, to utilize this platform to, to talk and to, you know, bring some awareness to, to people that listen and so forth. So, um, I guess the big question is what got me into all this? Is that kind of where we're going to start? Yeah, man. I mean, you, you, you're a subconscious conjurer. You were host of the paranormal phenomenon, Paranosis, which has audiences have loved that for over 20 years. You've got a deep understanding of the mind and the intrigue and super unique approach to paranormal research and yeah it's just what got you into mysticism and and uh what started your journey along this path well i'll tell you back in 96 i started a circus sideshow um kind of like pt barnum um utilizing you know i wouldn't say death defying feats but that's certainly what we marketed it as but so many people to what I was doing, like walking on glass or swallowing a sword or eating fire. And there's a trick to everything. I mean, there's a trick to even riding a bike or, or playing a guitar. I mean, there's tricks to everything, but there was no trickery to the point that it was magic or deceiving an audience. Though it looked like it, um, a lot of it was conditioning the mind and through sacrifice and training, you can, you know, walk on glass or, or walk on coals or some of the stuff that we were doing in the sideshow industry. And that's when I realized how powerful the mind is and how the mind is connected to all things, uh, even in the paranormal, really, because one with an open mind um, can experience everything and anything that they set their mind to see. And so I kind of got into, you know, magic and hypnosis and the sideshow business um, back in the day. And then as that expanded, I realized these same principles could be applied to everything, um, whether it be the paranormal or, or investigating ghosts or phenomenon. Um, it all links back to the mind. Therefore, everybody's going to have a different experience and take on it. So it was my vision from day one to showcase this and to open people's minds so they could realize that they too could do all the same stuff. So I wasn't using it to trick people, but more 
along the lines of educate people. And I would always, you know, everything was up front. Like if I was on stage, they could come and examine everything that I did. Uh, and I do that to this day in the, the paranormal. Um, I allow people to uh, experience it as a spectator or utilize their mind, put them into a subconscious state of awareness using hypnosis to open their third eye and not only use their five senses that we've been conditioned as humans to use, but go beyond that, tapping into their sixth sense, their third eye, and see for themselves rather than tell them or just use the equipment. I think our bodies and our minds become the best tool to utilize. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Such a good explanation of that. And you, the locations you've gone, I mean, there's a laundry list I could go through, but there's so many K's cross um, all over the Utah Valley. You've been on ghost adventures and helped them find locations that are extremely active. And right. you, it, it's, it's pretty cool um, how you bring this to the public through your show Paranosis. Can you tell listeners a bit where they can follow Paranosis and where they can follow what you have going on? Well, anywhere on social media, we're just at Paranosis, and then you can also go to our website. It's a little outdated. We're, we're in the process of uh, shifting that over to a, a higher vibration. Um, so that's just Paranosis.com. And then amazing platforms like like that you're sharing right now. You know, we're, we're open to you know, share, share on any platform possible because we're not here to change anybody's perception, beliefs, fundamentals. We're just allowing them to observe and giving them an opportunity to observe. We're not trying to make them believers or skeptics. I mean, I, I personally believe a skeptic is a very healthy thing. Um, and so you either love us or you hate us. There's a lot of people that hate on us, but for those people that hate on it, we're, we're different than everybody because we're not trying to prove this stuff is real or not real. We're just allowing people to come and observe with this because every journey, as you well know, is going to be different and every location and every experience is going to be different for everyone involved. Even if they're seeing the same thing, they're going to perceive it through a whole different filter based on their beliefs, their fundamentals, what they think is real or fake or happening or not. We just want to bring this to the masses and, and allow them to make their own, form their own opinion of, of, of what they experience, you know? Absolutely unique. And I think it's, it's great what you're doing. So to kind of uh, go into and perfectly explain another reason we are chatting today is something uh, I, I found you to be someone that I wanted to take part in an investigation in a little base camp um, science project of sorts known as Space Wolf Research in the Uinta yes. Basin of Utah. And this is interesting and unique because this area has a long history of Native American witchcraft and related phenomena and shapeshifters. And I wanted to get into how it went for you when you went up to Space Wolf Research. Well, let me say that location, Space Wolf Research, 
is truly one of my favorite for several reasons. And this last time definitely is second to none that I've ever experienced um, for multiple reasons. Um, I don't know where you want to start on that particular topic because there's so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, just to give listeners a little background, these uh, inexplicable experiences and super frightening events that took place at the property, uh, the ranch, uh, the this base camp is located in Uinta County. Um, it is bordering what's popularly popularly dubbed as the Utah UFO ranch due to just the whole area having a long history of odd events having taken place there, UFOs, uh, poltergeist activity, and of course, mutilated cattle, unidentified orbs. Um, anyway, pretty much anything you can think of has been seen by locals in the area. And it's difficult to obtain evidence, um, consistent with like scientific publication, but It has been an area of study, not only by the U.S. government, but a ton of other researchers. And you guys got some really great stuff when you went out there. And uh, just tell us kind of more or less how the trip went. You you drove up and and how did things go? So we drove up and we did a TikTok live. Uh, We do Friday nights. And so um, we were granted permission to do so in a respectful manner, meaning we weren't going to bring a lot of attention to the fact that we were there. So we, we only had, it was four of us and, uh, one of those being our security detail. Um, and it's interesting because the the main stuff we use when we do a paranormal investigation wasn't reacting the way we thought it would, because I think we're dealing with something a lot more, um, it's a different frequency, if you will. I, I believe there's so many portals. So we went up with the understanding that all this gear that we utilize in a normal paranormal, uh, paranormal investigating when dealing with ghosts or poltergeists, this would be, you know, this would suffice as, as adequate equipment. However, none of that was working. And granted, the area and, and the information we got from, um, you know, previous research and stuff in that area, we realized that it was probably unlikely that we were going to capture anything using cameras because a lot of the anomalies were happened when we weren't recording or when we were least expecting it, like, you know, setting up camp or or something like that. So we literally got on site five minutes before we were supposed to go live at 10 o'clock PM. We, we did our normal intro you know, we went on thinking, you know, EMF and all this stuff was going to start happening. EMF was high for sure, no doubt about that. But a lot of our other equipment wasn't reacting. And so we didn't know how to respond to that. So we went up to the corner of the ranch, which, which I believe is uh, northeast, the very corner. I think there's a, a sign posted that there's our UFO activity there. And this is about 1115. We heard some arguing going on down in uh, a pile of trees. I, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the area. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's that big gully of trees that you cannot see in. It's so thick. We hear arguing. So we know there's people. So we tell the viewers that that's potential contamination. There might be someone on the adjacent property. But it sounded more aggressive, like 
arguing and yelling. So we went blackout, and as soon as we went blackout, shots were fired. We didn't know what direction. So our first initial thing was, you know, get down. Uh, I did have the camera light, so the camera light was potentially a target. But we're not 100% sure if someone was firing at us or firing at something that spooked them because they were yelling, not particularly us, like, hey, I see you guys. It was more like yelling, trying to, to scare something out of the tree area so we duck for cover we start running towards there's there's the metal uh, container on the property um, next to the shed uh, for the viewers that might be a little hard to understand but we start running to the the biggest object that's going to protect us from oncoming fire three more shots were fired at which you could hear on the feed the whizzing of the bullets um, a small caliber, probably 22, our security guard uh, said. Uh, once we got up there, then the motion perimeter lights on Space Wolf's fence line started going off, which indicated probably something within 5 or 10 feet of the fence line causing those lights to go on. So we knew whatever or whoever was doing this, um, was aware of us and proceeded, you know, around the property line, never to enter onto the property line, though we couldn't see because we had blackout conditions. Uh, we never felt once we got behind that metal, uh, container, we felt we were pretty safe at that point. So we stopped the light immediately, went into emergency mode, did roll call, called you, um, and you know, you, you took care of that. Um, we appreciate that. We did feel safe enough to stay on site later that night where, uh, after this all went down, all of our batteries, all of our equipment, the vehicle that we drove up in, everything started malfunctioning. Then in the, or the adjacent property, we'll just call it the old Bigelow ranch, uh, UFO ranch. Um, mm -hmm their security started acting up. Like, so they're jumping on four-wheelers. There's lights going all over. So obviously something triggered everyone in the area. Like something was going on. People were aware of it. And uh, so we felt safe at that point. But again, we don't know where we being fired at or was somebody firing at something that spooked them and we just happened to be in the area. Right. And that's what's so freaky about this, Vincent, is often, you know, this breaking of the rules. The problem is we're dealing with a, the very the very nature of the area has a long history of um, the trickster or, you know, this this being that uses tricks to uh, yes, scare scare people. And as you said, these people may have had permission to be there and something spooked them in the trees. And I've had instances where. Uh, neighbors to the property have been spooked by things and shot at it. But the problem is, this is pretty close proximity. I have the actual audio um, of what took place, and I would like to play that. And yeah, That's when great. I when I received that call, man, I was scared for you. I did say this uh, 
coyote prayer that is um, supposed to help people when they get witched or if they're in these troubled um, areas of uh, when things are going bad. And That's really interesting that you say that because after we talked to you, we were thinking, okay, get off property, let's go get a hotel down in Mighton or something, let's get away. But there was a, also a calmness and a curiosity that was provoked. So I appreciate that you said that because normally uh, we're trained to just get out of the area if that's, if that's the case. But there was a calmness that came over us, so I, I would attribute that to that prayer that you said. That's really neat. Yeah, you bet, man. It, it was it scared me as well. And um, let me play this audio for listeners so they can hear it. I won't do it too loud. And I've tried to remove any swear words. You got to understand this was a scary situation. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> right. Thank you for doing that. So the whole so, so what you're saying is the whole clip's probably going to be beeped out. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, and you I, I mean, I think anyone would have would would have said the things um, you were all saying under right. these circumstances. So Correct. I think you exhibited a great degree of intellect. And anyway, I'll play it. I don't think any swear words are going to come through. If they do, this is a warning. If you don't like swear words to uh, turn this down, here it comes. Okay, so we can we can definitely I think that was loud enough that people could hear yes that there was something very scary taking place and these characters or these people were intentionally shooting at something that had either Correct. scared them um how did the conversation go or what you could hear of these individuals that were in the trees At first when Bennett heard it She's the one that initially heard the conversation that escalated into uh, what sounded like someone yelling at someone or something. That's unclear. Uh, but they were like, we see you. We see you. There's no getting out of this. Then you hear me react because you could see lights, like spotlights or flashlights down in the tree line. That's when I said, oh, my gosh, there's lights down there. I'm going to go to blackout. So I turn off our light rigs, so the only light would be the phone, because we were live. Um, then I'm like, oh my God, and then you hear gunfire. You hear 15 rounds be fired. Then we're like, okay, get down, get down, get down. And then about five seconds after, as we're running towards the container, we'll talk about the container, that's another whole other topic. <laughs> uh, but then three more shots were fired. So at that point, I'm not 100% sure they were firing at us because at that point we were out of sight because it kind of goes down for the viewer or the listeners. It, it's a pretty steep um, decline down into a valley where the trees are. 
So if they're shooting up at us at that point, we're out of we're out of sight for them. Um, but then three more shots are fired, and then you can't hear it on the audio, but they yell, "I've got more of that where that comes from." And that's when you know perimeter lights start turning on in in the property, which puzzled me because the thickness of the trees down where I'm talking about, you know, it's thick. You're not just going to run through those trees. I don't care who you are unless you're, you know, out of this world or your energy or something. Whatever triggered those lights, I don't think they were human because there's no way they could have got from where I saw the light, the origin of light at first within seconds to trigger your perimeter uh, motion lights, your security lights. I don't see how anything could have got from point A to point B to trigger those lights off. Right. Personally. Well, and these lights are something that we should also mention. I, I you know, as you know, I've, I've spoken to the best of the best researchers and other than anomalies in like Sedona and the San Luis Valley in Colorado, it appears that the Uinta Basin is in a class all its own when it comes to giant UFOs, uh, ridge lines, and the connection to these other quote unquote ghost lights, as the Native Americans call them, that wander through these waterways and fields, what did they appear to be to you guys? Well, at first, when we saw the lights first, when we heard the argument, it it sounded and looked like someone was confronting something. They turned on their lights. Um, We also then saw the perimeter lights. I'm assuming they're perimeter lights only because they, they gave off that much light. Mm-hmm. Are they? I don't know. I, you know the property better than me. Um, I don't know on the south ridge of your property if you have motion lights, but it was enough illumination to, and it kind of had almost a blue glow to it. So maybe they weren't motion lights. I'm assuming that based on previous experiences with motion lights. That's, that's why I didn't go down to verify that. So that's, that's, I'm going to leave that open. But, after the fact, and this calmed down, we decided not to go live right away. We did see orb-like lights all throughout the valley that would look like drone lights, other than they weren't blinking uh, your, your traditional flight pattern lights with the orange and green. They were blue, singular lights, and they tend to move almost the speed a laser would, but they looked about the size of maybe like a small um, saucer, like a plate. Mm-hmm. So enough, enough, enough illumination to illuminate trees or, or things around it. We saw that all night long. I don't know the area. I don't know what research is going on in the area, but I can honestly say I've never seen anything like it, nor did the three guests with me have ever been able to, to say, oh, yeah, that's this or that's this. Um, so now that you mentioned the, the Native American, the, the light, the orb, the anomalies of light, um, we saw that afterwards. And so it seems like after whatever happened, whatever was awakened or confronted, that's when it got real as far as um, evidence and documentation on anything we could but our equipment was failing. That's the weirdest part. So we started documenting as you would in a journal, like a a log or something like that. Um, Fascinating. 
And then rocks, large rocks. And I mean, it's pretty rocky up there, obviously. Mm-hmm. But large, large rocks were being yeeted in our direction with accuracy to the point that it would get within feet of us, but never hit us. I don't know if that is that something that you guys have ever experienced up there. We were going to ask you that question as a matter of fact. You know, that is a really good question, Vincent. I recently had an exploration team go out there, other researchers, um, and there are, or there appear to be, I should say, creatures of every shape and size in or near that territory. And they gathered video footage of some creatures that seemed to defy explanation. In one case, um, three consecutive frames revealed a creature that looked almost wolf-like, but then it there's no way of knowing it's difficult because, as you say, it was throwing rocks, and typically wolves, right. wolves don't throw rocks. Um, also, a Bigfoot organization known as Crater Exploration went out there, and they said, yep, they had uh, thermal and um, believed that they were on the trail of Sasquatch-like entities. It's, wow. It's tough to connect a lot of the things that happen out there in that shapeshifter territory to the rest of the world and not sound crazy. But it it is something that I've learned a lot that since, you know, moving in that area to research, the anomalous activity there kind of goes all over the map. And that freaks me out that you were having rocks thrown in your direction. And holy cow. So now this, this gets interesting everybody's seen et is the ball (laughs) you know comes out of the shed and then so we thought okay let's communicate back by tossing rocks in the same area and it's weird because i don't know if it was a game or what but one would be thrown we all documented this we all seen it um and then we would throw one we'd wait a minute but then it would be thrown from a different direction and for the listeners that might not know the lay of the land, to get from point from one point of the property to the other, you would be able to see, for the most part, anyone moving around or anything moving around. But if it was on one of the adjacent properties, there's thick trees and brush. And so for someone or something to get from one spot we throw a rock, and then seconds later on the other side, which would take a person running probably a good three minutes to run to that area, and that's if you were on um, Space Wolf's property because there's no trees on the property for the most part where we were at. Mm-hmm. Um, it, would take, it would take a good healthy person three minutes to run over there, and this is seconds later a rock would be thrown from the other direction, and land in almost the same spot. So whatever it was, was either like a professional baseball player and could throw a rock with precision to land within feet of us but not hurt us or, or hit us multiple times throughout the night. So it was really weird, the accuracy. It was almost like, I don't even know how to explain it other than, wow, I'm hooked, <laughs> you know? I, I need more of this. And I think I reached out to the other day saying, when when can we go back up with a whole different set of intentions on what we're looking for? But then 
on a paranormal, like, you know, ghost energy, then we started hearing and seeing things that look like mists and uh, shadows within shadows. I mean, it gets very dark up there. You can clearly see the stars, which was beautiful. But as black as it gets up there at night, to see black mass moving through even the darkest of dark was weird. And then you can light it up and nothing's going to be there. But when four people see the same thing in the same area, that gives creed to something's there, obviously, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's hard to explain to listeners, but you and Indians have a long history of witnessing unusual flying aircraft and creatures in the surrounding area. Um, a family that lived in the area was terrorized by cattle mutilation, six foot tall, mm. bulletproof wolves, devious flying balls of bluish light craft of every shape and size and an array of Bigfoot like creatures. So I've witnessed these things. So I know that it's not a hoax. It's, right. Absolutely. It's so hard, right. To like describe when you're in the middle of it all. A hundred percent. And I mean, if it's a hoax, it is the world's grandest hoax ever. I don't believe it's a hoax. I've seen it. You've seen it. I believe anybody that's, you know, done any research on your property knows something's there. And if not something, many things are there. I don't think you can pinpoint and say it's this or this or this, because it seems like it's all the anomalies in one. It's, it's unbelievable. Anybody that's into phenomenon, you know, the paranormal, this location is by far the most charged I have ever experienced because you will see and experience a plethora. It's not just one thing. It's not, it, it's everything. It's everything in one. It's, it's, and to anybody that it, it's like you said, it's hard to just, unless you're there, it's hard to explain it because it's everything and anything. And it's all your fears. Like we, every, every one of us experienced the same thing, but also very personal things because I believe it's intelligent and I believe it feeds on and knows who we are, what we're thinking, what, what gets into us, what is, what is going to get into our psyche and affect us because even Bennett, when we were striking camp Sunday, in the middle of the day, had stuff happen, happen to where she was yelling out at us, thinking that we were playing a joke, and we agreed no one's going to play any joke. We're taking this very serious. But this is in the middle of the day at like 11 a.m. on Sunday, two days after the fact that all that other stuff happened, in the middle of the day. Like, that's, to me... That's amazing. And, and that just sparks that much more curiosity because I think it's shape-shifting into anything and everything that is unknown. That's, that's my takeaway from this is it's anything and everything. And that's what's so difficult when you encounter a situation like the one you guys had because you th there's so much going on at the same time. Yes. I mean... You obviously had permission to be there. It's private property right. that should be respected. And 
The problem is that many people don't know where it's legal to be and where it's not. And some, right. you know, it's, it's weird. And um, there's a lot of speculation about this. And I've seen, mm-hmm. I've seen armchair researchers have, think they have nothing to lose, go out there and get arrested. I'd ignore that. And at the same time, I mean, a handful of kids and a few adults have had charges pressed against them and gone to jail. Sure. Yeah. Just for, yeah, for people listening, it's not a place you just go out at night and start wandering around, right? No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, just, just on your property alone, I mean, cameras everywhere. And I know you guys are looking for, you know, those are cameras aimed at the sky even like i i mean but yes for anybody listening do not just go out there even if it's on a public road and you're driving if you stop a you could be breaking the law because of the reservations and b i just don't think anyone that's curious should just go up there because you're dealing with everything like when we when we went to start the car just to 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 kind of move it closer to where our tent was in case there was more fire or or we needed to get out in a hurry even the car the truck wouldn't start our our lights our backup batteries our cameras like our phones not our cameras everything was affected which can i talk about yeah container and a little and, Anomaly going on that you just recently came across. Yeah, and by the way, that truck man made me so jealous. That red Ford truck you guys had reminded me so much of my last red I Ford know truck. I you mentioned that, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and you, I think you actually thought you went through a portal. You said when you saw that on the camera, you're I, like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, what's my truck doing out there? And it, it's it's and just to kind of before we move forward, just for those that are speculating about spots and all that. You know, it is so difficult, but these tribal officers, most tribal officers are the nicest people you will ever meet, but don't try to pull attitude with them. They have federally granted authority that far exceeds that of standard police officers. And so if you don't have permission to be on a property and it's not private property, that should be respected because it's very checkerboarded out there. And um, anyway... Moving forward, I, I would I would say too. I mean, just just, I mean, a never trespass. Period. Mm-hmm. But the tribal people, I mean, respect that. That's their land, and I believe respect in all situations, first and foremost. Um, and, and just don't don't push it. Like you said, be respectful. But like, if you're not invited to be somewhere out there. Just don't, don't, don't do it. Go through the proper, you know, channels, uh, like yourself, like when, when we talked and stuff like that, but never in a million years do I recommend that anybody goes up there first and foremost, but anywhere be, be professional, be courteous, be respectful, get permission. Nine times out of 10 people will give you permission to do things if you ask, but that's one thing I would never test is is never mess with, you know, the Native American. I believe that they are rooted in some amazing connections. And that would just be one thing that, like you said, just don't do it, <laughs> you know? 
Totally, Vincent. And man, I need to say wearing a bulletproof jacket isn't a bad idea either. I actually do this because I've heard similar things to what you guys encountered. But acting responsibly and sticking to places you can legally be, as you said. Right. And I believe that something that needs to be addressed is the main concern that there is security personnel nearby. And Oh, absolutely. Um, it's treacherous terrain, and these personnel are there for the phenomena itself. If you respect law enforcement officers, tribal officers, right, security personnel, they'll be on your side. On the other hand, there is kind of... Well, those black suburbans, I have no idea what those are. That's a whole other story. But let's get back to what we were discussing with this container. I'll kind of go into it a little bit. And you documented this really well. Um, There was an event that took place on the property a while back. And we've been doing readings on this particular storage container, an 8,700-pound container. And it's magnetized now, um, among other strange readings and you encountered this yourself when you were out there, correct? Absolutely. Um, so you had kind of told me about that, and I wanted to see for myself. I'm a curiosity seeker. Absolutely. You can take metal objects on a, a freight container, and that thing is now magnetized. And as we all know, things don't just become magnetized. I don't care who you are or what you believe. Nothing just becomes magnetized unless something has caused that. And I saw it for myself. I put, you know, nails. I put anything I could find. I brought up stuff just to put on there. You want to know something weird, though? Mm -hmm. I have a magnet. I put a magnet to it, and the magnet would not stick but the magnet would stick to any other objects that I touched to it. I don't know if you've ever tried that or if that was just that, that was like, I was curious. Okay. Like, okay, I'm going to bring a magnet. I'm going to make sure that the items aren't magnetized Mm -hmm. and that it actually was the storage container. And that SOB is magnetized. The items aren't like you can try to take two nails or two pieces of whatever and put them together, they're not magnetized, but you touch them to the, the storage the, uh, container, and they're magnetized. But, like I said, the magnet wouldn't stick to it, dude, and that blew my mind. That, for all our sakes, that's quite intelligent, because that adds another angle to the theories about the entire situation. That's what I thought. I thought, okay, let's put a magnet on it. And for some reason, it rejected the magnet. Okay, so you know there's two, there's the polarity, and there's two sides of the magnet. So that's what I thought. So I switched the magnet. Same thing. Wouldn't stick. But I would take a nail off. It'd stick to it. It would it would hold the, the nail or the screw or I guess there was some other pieces of metal up there just laying around. And then I brought tools too to see like, okay, well, maybe these items are magnetized. No, anything that's metal sticks to that. But that leads me to the question, is the magnetism going on? affecting like our cameras and is it affecting your cameras because i know you have cameras all over the property Mm -hmm. does it affect your cameras it it does at certain times there seem to be geological aspects of the area that affect you know they affect the cameras they Mm -hmm. affect um it's contradictory because you'll have witnesses often see the same thing at the same time they'll ask me to check a camera 
I'll go and check the camera and I will either see something different or document. Right. It's just odd. The camera will document, document something slightly different than what they, they expected to see on the camera. And um, oftentimes with video footage, the camera will lose what is recorded. And I mean, I've lost hours of footage from our cameras, which is impossible to explain. So we just shrug and keep recording. I mean, what else can you do? It's, it's really creepy that this force, which many seem to call an ancient force at hand in the area, um, wow. it, it doesn't yeah. like to be used as a guinea pig, right, or participated with, but it likes to play with you. Right. See, and that's what, that going back to what you just said, now that you'll, you'll see something different on the camera than the spectator saw, and that's what was going on with us. We all saw similar things, but it also almost was favoring our own personal fear as if it were manipulating or personally like entertaining for that individual in a whole different way. But we would see the same thing, but just experience or explain it different. Um, and we never got any of this on camera. We had night vision cameras. We had uh, GoPros. We had, we had probably 15 different styles of cameras. We got, okay, we're going to get something. We all saw it but none of it was captured with camera, which means to me it's elusive and it's intelligent enough to, like you said, it doesn't want to be a guinea pig, but it'll play. It'll, it'll pique your curiosity. It'll get in your head. It'll mess with you. It'll whet your appetite. And then it just, it's, I don't know. I mean, it just leaves you wanting more because I've never experienced anything like this. Like this is, so beyond anything that I could even try to explain. So I hope that during this, this conversation that any of this makes sense because I'm still trying to wrap my head around what I saw and I'm still trying to document it and I'm reading my notes and I'm, I, it's just even to this day messing with me. And that was, you know, a couple of weeks ago and it's still in my head. I'm still dreaming about it. It's still affecting me, bro. hundred percent. Yeah, man. And I, I think you explained that so well, how it is like a mind-induced fear. A lot of people believe it may be military experiments, but the, tr the, the really tough part is that you have all of these cases of people, uh, for example, people I know who are Native American right. and involved in sweat lodges for vision quests. And Correct. one particular case I just heard was well, I mean, it's it. these are sacred and unique ceremonies. And after the ceremony had been going on a while, something went horribly wrong. A wind swirled inside the sweat lodge, even though the place is sealed up, you know, buttoned up tight. Right. And um, the shaman yelled for them to run to a larger trailer that was nearby. And uh, it was believed they were being attacked by a shapeshifter, a trickster. Wow. And that's the thing. These these items don't seem to kind of fill in that fit in that military experiment box. So, no I mean, there's multiple things going on. There has to be, and it's, it's hard to make theories about it. I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. I, I think it's an ancient force and you keep saying like prankster because we never felt other than the gunfire, <laughs> mm -hmm. we never felt in danger we felt like we were being watched. We felt like we were being entertained. We felt like we were its guinea pigs. Like, okay, 
I'm going to test their limits. Are they going to run? Are they going to disappear? But like when the rocks were being thrown, when I when I say rocks, I mean some of them were the size of a baseball. But there was a couple that I'm trying to like the size of uh, I, I I don't even know like a football. Okay. Yeah. So we're 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 pretty close to like the fire pit and and your research like the um, storage facility for someone or something to throw a rock the size of a football, which is weird because there's not many on property other than around the fire pit. Most of the rocks are are smaller for something to eat that from outside of our vision, like, you know, our peripheral or, or where we could see that's, that's, that's kind of big, you know what I mean? And for it to hit with precision, we never really felt threatened we almost felt like it was taunting us or teasing us or entertaining us. Like I said, when the rocks were being thrown, it didn't feel like it was aggressive, like we were we were almost being hit. It was almost like, I don't know how to explain it, bro. Like when you go up there, you look at your thing, you'll see a pile of rocks that are out of place because I guess it rained up there the week before. Mm-hmm. So everything's pretty settled as far as rocks. You can see the rocks that were around us were not settled into the ground. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So it's recent. You can tell it's recent. And and they all land within the same area. So is that a magnetic pull? Is that... I don't, I don't know, bro. I've I've got to get back up there, man. I, I, I beg you. <laughs> it's so interesting. I know. I have the same... Um, I, I have the same basic feeling a lot of the time. And I wanted to ask you... After your research, did you have any anomalous activity by chance follow you home? I mean, you mentioned that the vehicles had some trouble with their electronics. Anything else stand out to you? You know, I, I will say we went through uh, what I want to call like a time shift. So we left at a specific time because we knew we had to be back. There's about an hour outside of our drive that we can't recall and we all agree to it it seems like somehow somewhere some way we lost an hour and to validate this we drove down we're driving skies were pretty clear all of a sudden we're just above strawberry reservoir and it's pouring now all of our equipment's in the back of a truck that does not have a shell on it. And I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars worth of equipment. If we were in a conscious, aware state, we would have seen the clouds, we would have seen the rain, we would have pulled over, we would have covered our gear. When we all came to, we were in the middle of the rainstorm, everything was sopping wet. You would think four grown-ass adults would say, hey, it's raining. Let's pull a gear in. Let's go under an overpass. Let's pull over and prep for this. We didn't. So we lost an hour. Whoa. Perfect. We lost an hour. Perfectly explained. That is so strange. And, and that... so, I mean, our gear, we, some of our gear got wet. Like, oh. they're in cases, granted, but all of our sleeping gear, like, wouldn't you like okay it's gonna rain let's pull over 
let's go to this little gas station. Let's let's back off. Um, so an hour, yeah, an hour's gone, and all of our equipment got wet. So that to me says we lost track of something. Something happened that we cannot explain, and we all thought like was just a microburst. But then you look around, and the storm was massive. It wasn't like it just it like popped up and oh, it was a little rain. You know, it was like a full blown rainstorm with lightning and everything. And we do not recall. We were we were even going to go down a different highway because we came up through. Um, I can't even remember the town. We we came up a different way, so we weren't even planning on going down towards Strawberry. But we ended up at Strawberry. An hour's lost. Equipment wet. So, yes, something followed us and or we traveled into something that we cannot explain. That is wild, man. That's gnarly, like, right? <laughs> We're still, like, still trying to, like, piece together that little portion, like, what happened? Because we got good sleep. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, there was no drugs, no alcohol. We were We were wanting to be so focused when we were up there that like we made sure we got good sleep and so because we wanted to be at our sharpest and not even doing that not even with that preparation could trick that whatever that is Mm -hmm. and you mentioned uh something i wanted to mention is that yes the sensors that we have set up around there went off repeatedly i assumed it was you guys but something i didn't tell you and this is uh odd is that (laughs) Just a few days earlier, a uh, cattle mutilation had taken place near this particular bend of the road. And um, it was a young calf uh, who had been drained to blood and slit surgically along the belly. And wow. this this happens a lot. So for, you know, there is kind of a dangerous angle to, you know, those that are just interested in jumping out there, camping wherever, doing whatever. No. Yeah, there's a dangerous angle. You know, we don't know what some of these things we're dealing with are and what they might eventually lead up to. And there at at the base camp um, at Space Wolf Research, it a lot like other properties nearby, it sat abandoned for many years. And during one of those times when it was abandoned, uh, I don't know if you've heard of another... um, researcher named April Slaughter, I know of three people who were with her who Mm -hmm. claimed to have had, well, basically all three of them had surgical implants put in their nostrils, and it was at Space Wolf Research. What the, whoa, okay, hold on for one second. Mm -hmm. I have on my right bicep two holes, and I, I will send this to you. I thought I got bit by something. I have two holes that are about the size of BBs in my bicep that I did not have prior to going onto the property, but are here now, and I can't explain them. They're they're now scarred, but you can tell they're very red, red, so they're new. Uh, I did not know that. That freaks me the... Whoa. Yeah, these... I mean, I have the medical Whoa. records to back. They, they they are backing up their stories. One particular gentleman, he actually, um, again, they, they all claim to have had these implants in their nostrils. And one particular gentleman died of 
brain cancer. So, oh my gosh. And, and that, you know, I didn't find that out to the best of my knowledge until after I purchased the property, I was always intrigued by their story. I remember, yeah, super spooky kind of came full circle and bit me in the butt because I didn't know it took place there. So, but that's not uncommon. Wow. Yeah, man, this is very strange that you have. Hey, I need to send you these pictures in and you tell me, like, I can't explain it. But now I'll tell you what, as soon as this call's over, I'm going to go get an x-ray because I'm curious because it's, they're bigger than spider bites. They're right next to each. It's like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But now that you're saying that, what the <laughs> Uh, that's weird. Dude. Yeah, man. Okay. Now, uh, now as, <laughs> as we wrap up, I know we're getting towards the end here. As we wrap up, we're probably going over a little, but you mentioned um, like a wispy black mist during yes. parts of the time. And there's a special metaphysical connection that the Native American lore has suggested for a long time discussing exactly that. Did What did you see that was wispy and misty and and was it happening at strange times? It was always happening before rocks were happening. So let's, let's, we were up till probably four in the morning, uh, that first Friday. Um, they would happen at different parts of the property. The best way I can explain it is it like, (laughs) this sounds so weird. Like, uh, Kind of like a smoke, but black, but not like smoke. It almost had like a texture that, uh, you know how cotton candy is a weird like texture? Like, have you ever seen cotton candy being made? Yes. And it just blows this weird, wispy content. Imagine that being black, but manifesting from the ground into about a four to five foot uh, tall mass, but then with like wisping into nothing. So it was, it, it had form to it. It didn't look like smoke. So you could, you could see through it, but you could tell it was kind of like, uh, I just, I, I, the best way I can describe it is like cotton candy or something that could float around and, and manifest and shape, like shift into different things but then just dissipate into nothing at the same time. Man, my so curious. It would, it would take, a, take a form enough to where you could see it, and then as soon as you almost identified it and acknowledged it, it would kind of like dissipate into something else or go somewhere else, and then you'd see it in a different part. So I don't know how to explain that because I've never seen anything like that, so forgive my, my attempt, but... Uh, unbelievable like you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it unless you saw it and once you saw it you've never seen anything like it that's the best way i can say it it's like it's like nothing i've ever seen or experienced and all of us saw it and it's weird because sometimes one would see it we'd pull our attention and then no one else would see it and they're like well now it's gone so was it playing to a particular person at a particular time. But then there was times that we would all see it. Wow, man. Do you know, do they have a, a name for that? The Native Americans? Is there a, a name? Well, yes. And it is, it goes uh, into this 
this lore of the trickster and uh, practitioners of the witchery way becoming these shape-shifting witches of the night. And But, you know, every culture, even the Middle Eastern culture, you know, describes the jinn in a very similar way, these shape-shifters that can just kind of manifest from nothing and then de-manifest. Right. And it, there you go. It curiously, man, curiously resembles so many things that I, I, I I'll have to get into another time. But okay. you've, uh, man, you've, you've shared such intimate and intriguing glimpses into your research and uh, your own adventures. Let's tell the listeners one more time where they can follow Paranorsis, how they can follow what you have going on and stay in touch with you. Uh, I would say just paranosis.com and then any social media, we're just, we're Paranosis. Um, and I want to, I want to leave on this note if, if we're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ryan, and thank Space Wolf Research uh, for allowing this to happen. Um, and for anybody listening, go through the right channels if you're ever up there. Don't just take it upon yourself to go pull off. Respect people's property and respect the fact that we're dealing with something that is unexplainable. So... Proceed with caution, but always get permission and always go through the right channels. It's worth your safety, and like I said, it's, we don't know what we're dealing with, so it, it's for your own good. Don't just go up there and say, hey, here I am, because you will. I, 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 yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> just don't do it. Perfectly explained, brother. And thank you so much for coming on. You're a master of your craft, and I always love talking to you. And uh, can't wait to have you back. Talk again sometime. Again, thank you so much. I appreciate everything. Man, oh man. What a great conversation. What a great guy. Master hypnotist, paranormal investigator, Vincent Lords. He's still mystifying everybody with his research, his depth of knowledge of the human mind. He is a true asset to the paranormal community and research in general. Definitely follow Paranosis and everything they have going on. And I can't stress enough that many of these areas in these liminal spaces have a lot going on. And there are security dangers. There are uh, very real paranormal dangers and things that just can't be explained. Thank you for listening, and if you want more of Hero Paranormal Podcasts, definitely go to Patreon and become a supporter. Subscribing on Patreon helps us produce the podcast and just kind of uh, helps us break even, so we're not coming out of pocket for everything. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep your eyes to the skies, feet on the ground, but don't forget to take a look around. Off in my time machine, third eye feeling like an evizine. Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off. Come blast off in my time machine, third eye feeling like an evizine. Blast off, blast off.